From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones. If I sit in an open chair next to somebody, that person would get up and move. Or act like they have to go to the bathroom or go, go get some water or something and then end up sitting somewhere else. This time, we'll hear a story about a woman who wanted to be prepared, but found herself the odd one out. Sharon Ross spent her 1970s childhood in the country. I grew up in southern Oregon in a little town called Sam's Valley. Sharon's family was the only black family in town. A lot of people there had never experienced, let alone seen, a black person. So I would run into situations where I'd have people literally come touch my skin because, you know, they thought it was going to rub off or something or touch my hair because they have never seen anyone's hair like mine, you know, in an Afro style or whatever. So it, it was different trying to adapt to it, but all in all, it wasn't too bad, you know, could have been worse. My dad taught me how to shoot a gun at age six because of the environment that we were in. You know, being the first black family and having people shouting out the N-word to you, he wanted to make sure, since I was the oldest, that I had the knowledge to be able to protect myself. So he taught me how to use a gun. He taught me how to throw a knife, how to use a knife, how to jab, 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 um, how to shake you. He would say, shake him. (laughs) Um, How to fight. I learned how to box through him. So he taught me a lot. Yeah, I didn't like it because, you know, sometimes I was a girl. One day I may be a girl and I didn't feel like being a tomboy. You know what I mean? My dad was a Marine and he was my Superman because when I was a kid and we were moving, I saw him pick up a freezer and put it on one shoulder and walk it to the truck. And I thought that was just like, that's, he's so strong. He's, a, he's, he's Superman to me. So he's always been um, Superman, but he was tough. You know, he would be the person I'd go to when I, I was having problems. And so, you know, and he gave good advice and all that stuff. So just going to him with situations and, and we'd have good conversations, you know. I could open up to him, and he didn't judge me like my mom would. Sharon grew up. She left home, left the state. But eventually, by her early 30s, she got a job back in Portland. And then Hurricane Katrina happened. Sharon found herself glued to the news about people in New Orleans. When I was watching the newscast on that, I had decided right then and there that I wasn't, I was not going to be that person. And I started prepping then. I remember going, looking through my kitchen for foods like the canned foods, the dried spaghettis and noodles and things like that, dried rice, the beans, you know, those kind of things and realized that I already had a whole bunch of food in my house, survival food. I think I had like 
a five gallon bucket of just rice, a five gallon bucket of just beans, a five gallon bucket of just noodles. And I was like, holy shit, that's okay. And then Doomsday Prepper came out and I was like, that's what I am. I'm a prepper. Doomsday Preppers, the National Geographic show about the subculture of people getting ready for the end of the world. You know what? It made me feel like, okay, whatever it was that that mission that I was starting on, that I am not the only one thinking this way. And it gave me a little bit of confidence knowing that I'm on the right path in my thinking, even though not everybody thinks the same and they prep for, they prep for different reasons. I knew that what I was prepping for was a legitimate reason. In the beginning, Sharon was worried about a big earthquake, kind of the Pacific Northwest version of Hurricane Katrina. But then as time went by, the earthquake, that's just a small detail of it all. What I should be concerned about is if the grid goes down and I'm living back in the 1900s with no electricity, no phone, no you know heat, to live primitive. And that's where it came into to, for me to start learning survival skills. So learning things that I didn't know how to do, like skinning a turkey, <laughs> going out and hunting more, go scouting, go tracking. So I just started picking up skills like that. In addition to adding to my supplies, like tools, solar lights and things like that, that I know I would need later on down the road. Sharon learned these skills at prepper meetups. They were 30 to 40-ish white men, maybe a couple of white women, and then me. I would always be the only minority in the room. That was weird because people would look at me like, what are you doing here, you know? (laughs) You know, they they could be a white supremacist, a Klansman, you, you just don't know. I don't get intimidated easily, so I took a seat and started asking questions and became friends with some people and you figure out who is only talking to you, they're just wanting information, you know, I learned how to dissect people at those meetings. but people could be standoffish. If I sit in an open chair next to somebody, that person would get up and move. Or act like they have to go to the bathroom or go go get some water or something and then end up sitting somewhere else. And it did feel uncomfortable sometimes, but I, I forced myself to go to at least three and be present. As she got deeper into her knowledge and passion about prepping, Sharon started losing friends. Some of my family and friends thought, okay, that's cool. But then a lot of people were like, yeah, you're weird. And what are you preparing for? Because a lot of people that I meet, the first thing I'll ask them is, are you preparing? And they'd be like, preparing for what? You know, for disaster, the earthquake. And they're like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen anytime soon. 
So yeah, I was a weirdo. I lost friends over it because some of my friends thought I was just going crazy and they didn't want to deal with me anymore talking about preparing. But Sharon persisted. And as she met more people in prepper communities, she discovered Earthships. I ended up finding a post on Facebook and it said, let's go to Towson, Mexico and stay in an Earthship. And I'm like, oh my God, what's an Earthship? And I looked and it's a self-sustainable home that generates its own electricity, collects its own water, and the water is used three times before it leaves your home. And it is also a greenhouse. So you can also grow all your vegetables and your fruits, your fruit trees, whatever it is that you need, you know, right there within the home. And I love that. So I ended up taking three trips and planned two of them from Facebook, just putting an ad out, anyone want to go to New Mexico and stay in the earth ships. And for three years, we had strangers from around the country, 23 of us, all sharing four different earth ships. So we got to experience, we set up tours on different locations and I love that home. And I had to go and, and see it for myself because I couldn't understand the fact of how can a home not have any utilities? How does it stay warm? And so um, when we were out there one year, it was May, it was still snow on the ground, and, but the sun was out. You know, it was pretty chilly. And we were out doing touring, I guess it was, and we went back into the rental that I rented and it was hot in there. I mean, I literally had to take off the jacket and the sweater and I only had a tank top underneath. So I was walking with, around there with tank top and socks, comfortable. And there's no thermostat. I was sold that day. I knew that's what I wanted to build. So back home in the Pacific Northwest, Sharon bought 100 rural acres. And she's slowly been gathering a community to live there. One of my friends is an RN nurse, another one's a builder and a carpenter and an electrician and a mechanic. I have a variety of friends who are all, we're, we're a big old melting pot. So there's gonna be a, a blend of all of us, white, black, Latino, Mexican, Asian. I'm not going on the point on, you know, I want just all black people because, you know, I would be so wrong by saying that because my grandson is half white. What would I look like trying to say, I only want to have a black thing, you know what I mean? And if my grandson or his father ever wanted to come to an event, I'd have to say, you know, oh, sorry, you can't come because you're white. I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. But even if no earthquake or war happened, Sharon says current conditions are apocalyptic enough for her. Black people are the prey, it feels like. We've always gone through this battle of trying to come up and we're always being kicked down. 
and not being able to go forward with our own lives without being told what we should and could and cannot do. You know, going through all of this with this police brutality, the police killings, innocent killings, you know, and then coming to the courts and the courts don't even back it up. Courts are like, you know, whatever, like Breonna Taylor. You know, how is it that a man, an officer shoots a bullet, they're going to press charges against him because that bullet went into her neighbor's apartment, but then six bullets went into Brianna and not one of those officers are charged. What's wrong with that picture? That's why African-American and people of color are upset because our laws don't even protect us or their laws don't protect us, obviously. And if Sharon's living on 100 remote guarded acres, that kind of thing is a lot less likely to happen to her. It's not a place that you can just go and roam around because you'll be stopped with a firearm. The homes haven't been built yet on Sharon's land. Her goal is to get the first Earth ship built by the end of summer 2021 and the rest to follow. With her community working together, her dream is coming to fruition. Sharon's dad has now passed away, but she says he'd be proud. He would be very proud. Matter of fact, he would probably be right by my side. When I started training with my firearm, you know, it would bring back little flashes of memory. I would thank him for that. I mean, I, I, I thank him every single day for the skills that he, he put in me and the will to not give up and always go for what I want and don't take from anybody and just be me. He would probably be, be my videographer, photographer, and then, you know, and being in it, yeah, he would be right here. He would think this would be fun. He really would, he would have a good time. And I would learn so much from him. Yeah, I wish he was here. Our storyteller was Sharon Ross, also known as Ms. Afrovivalist. She teaches people prepping and survivalist skills. Most of her clients are women. For photos of Sharon and more information, follow us on social media at Human Nature Pod. And you can find Sharon's website at afrovivalist.com. I'm Erin Jones. This story was produced by me with editing help from Greg Ronco. Our executive producer is Micah Schweitzer. Anna Rader is our digital producer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's human nature.